Hey, welcome to Hear God's Word. This is Michael. In this podcast, we study and dissect the Bible to better understand what it means and is trying to say. Whether we cover intense word studies or simple stories, there's so many layers and it's all important. So, if you want to hear what God has to say, then let's dive in. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Hear God's Word. So this week we're going to be talking about Genesis 1, 3 through 5. So we're not just going to be doing one verse, but we're actually going to be doing three. And we're going to wrap up what's essentially the first day of creation. So we'll talk more about that and what the first day is because we'll get into a little bit of a conversation. I know we talked about it the first week of how old is the earth, and in addition, like when it says days, does it mean literal days, or is it talking about metaphorical? So we'll get into that, and then also when do days start? and end because some people started at 12 o'clock midnight some people started when the sun rises some people start it when the sun sets so uh, there's just so many factors and does the bible give any sort of insight on how we're supposed to think about these things so we'll look at all of these questions I wanted to, before we jump into studying what the Bible has to say in Genesis 1, 3 through 5, I wanted to take a few minutes and share a little bit more of my heart and also share and recap some of the skills and review and pass on the things that I've learned over all the years of studying the Bible. There's been some, and it's taken some time to realize a lot of lessons that are really helpful when it comes to reading the Bible because it's not always easy. So one of those things that we were doing was when we were talking about Genesis 1-2 last week, we were also going back to Genesis 1 in the, the very first verse. So when we were studying ahead, we also looked behind to get some context because Genesis 1-2 doesn't happen in a vacuum, just like you can't really take one verse of the Bible and totally isolate it by itself and twist what it's saying. We have to look back what is saying, but we also have to continue reading what's ahead, which is why we didn't stop after the first two episodes. We're here now studying on the third verse and beyond. So we're also going to focus on recapping because a lot of times we can get lost in the weeds and I was actually talking with my wife just a couple days ago and we were talking 
about how sometimes the Bible can be difficult to understand, but I started retelling what I was talking to her about in very simple story-like form, and I want to do that with you guys because maybe you got lost in all of the breaking things apart and like all of the analyzing of what the text is saying like we don't want to just make things academic what is genesis 1 it's the story of god creating the heavens and the earth so like we actually live in the same world that this story is talking about. So we can't abstract it to the point where we're only getting lost in studying words and details. It is the actual account, and it is essentially the recording of what happened at the very beginning in the best of the author's details and the people who had known the story of what happened during creation. And of course, there could have been some like creative and artistic sort of interpretations that go on in Genesis. There is a lot of people who say that it's a very poetic form of Hebrew writing. So in a way, it's like a story mode. And a lot of people say that Genesis 1 and 2 is essentially, and um, they'll even say beyond that, is essentially all a myth-type story in the sense of where it is not literal, but it is a story that conveys something along the lines of what happened. And in one sense, we can say that, of course, you know, not everything may be literal in the very first few books of Genesis. However, at the same time, Obviously, when it talks about God creating and when it talks about, you know, all these things coming to be that we're going to read about, it is talking about it in a real way, even if it's not a literal, literal, real way. And like, I'll get more into what I mean by that. But again, I was just about to talk about making the Bible simple. So like, instead of getting into all these details, let's talk about it. So essentially the story we have so far is that at the beginning of time, we have God and he starts making everything, the heavens and the earth. And he is essentially moving and present and there at the beginning of time with this empty and chaotic world that hasn't really been put together yet. But just imagine God himself actually there 
at the beginning of time. In one sense, it's hard for us to imagine, but at the same time, we know that God is obviously way beyond us. So like, you can picture that sort of thing where this is what the story is trying to tell, that God is there at the beginning. It's not just some textbook to analyze data in, and it's not just a science textbook. It's not even just a literary textbook where it's not just about a myth. It's actually trying to share the story about our origins and where we came from. So when we're reading scripture, one of my tips is think about things and put yourself in the details of the story because it's going to be a lot easier to understand it if you're actually putting yourself there and trying to understand and imagine what it's talking about. And that's what every good reader does is they put themselves in the shoes of the people. But we have to realize that, you know, um, in one sense, it's hard to picture God creating, but at the same time, we do have the capacity to imagine these sorts of things. And because of that, like it's actually plausible that God did create everything you know, especially if you're coming into this podcast, not really sure of who God is or if there is a God who is capable of creating things. The fact that we're here first off, that things are in order in our world, and that it is imaginable in the first place, and that we have a story that is cohesive, especially as you continue reading there's a lot of references back to this beginning time. So, yeah, simplify the stories and don't bog yourself down. But at the same time, I want this podcast to reach all sorts of people. So we're going to get into the simple side of the stories. We're going to talk about any sort of uh, political or historical or logical reasoning or scientific sort of things, or biblical uh, criticisms, but we're also going to talk about theology, and we're going to touch on all of these sorts of things that we consider as humans when reading, especially something like the claims of God's words. Like If we're taking a look at what God has to say about the beginning of the world and that he was responsible for making it, like that grabs the interest of anyone. And many times people don't read it either, A, because, you know, it's hard to believe for some people. But then also, sadly, many people put it down if they have a hard time understanding. So hopefully this podcast helps you learn how to learn and understand the Bible. So that's one of my big goals. 
So let's talk about the topic of reviewing. So we talked about backtracking and referencing and not isolating a part of the Bible, but we, during the last week, we're talking about how the world was formless and void. And so there was something I forgot to mention on this topic, and there's actually two things that came to my mind. And I found some Bible verses afterwards. So many times, you know, we have those moments where we think we've learned almost everything we need to about something. And then you realize, oh man, you know, I, uh, I forgot to include this. I forgot to share that when I was talking to someone else about it. And so that's what happened with me the other day is I realized there was a couple other things that I could have added. There's probably a million other things I could have added on last week. However, I wanted to go over the skill of reviewing and backtracking because just because you study something once doesn't mean you should just keep moving on and be like, oh, well, someday I'll go back to it. Like, feel free to go back to it right away, like while it's fresh and review and add on to what you already know. Like if you forgot to write down notes and you were taking them on this verse or chapter before, then go back to it and include those things right away. You know, if you have a chance so, in Genesis 1-2, we talked about how the earth was formless and void. So, when it says that, we were going over the example, actually, in Deuteronomy 32-10. And essentially, what it says is, In a desert land he found them, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded them and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. So here we see essentially a desert that God finds someone. And we see that the desert is in a barren and howling waste. So the word here for wasteland or waste is actually that word tohu it's essentially and in the waste land so when we're talking about the formless empty darkness deep void that was at the beginning, we can imagine essentially a picture like this, like a desert. So we, a desert, you look out and all you see is death in front of your eyes. You see just an endless sea of sand and it's dry. 
there's not really anything there as far as your eyes can see. There's nothing living. And uh, maybe there's, you know, a few shrubs or maybe there's a little scorpion running across the the ground. But in like a desert desert, like a wasteland, you don't really have any sort of life. And that's the picture that it's kind of talking about in this. It's talking about essentially when the earth was made and then God was there and present over the waters of the deep. It is essentially saying that the condition of the earth was like a desert. You know, as far as the eye could see, there was no life to it. It wasn't filled and it wasn't organized and there was nothing living. So we know that obviously the earth didn't start with humans and then in life forms, then the earth came. We know that the earth came and then life came. So it all obviously makes sense when you add up the science. Obviously, the science confirms what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about, you know, starting out in this sort of desert condition and you can also equate the waters like it's talking about in the deep in the same sort of way as the desert you know as far as the eye can see when you're out on the sea all you see essentially is water it if you were to jump off it would be death like there's nothing there there's nothing living even though in one sense like you know there is at the same time it gives that feeling and impression that essentially it's chaotic and like there's no life to it you know if you were to jump in you would drown and die so uh, another interesting thing that I wanted to mention is actually when we were asking the question in both versions of the Bible, the New King James and the NIV, when we were reading them, we talked about the face of the deep. And we were asking, what exactly does that mean? And I gave a little bit of an answer. But an interesting thing, you know, we were talking a little bit about how the waters themselves are the deep we talked about things like the depth of the ocean or like the uh the deep reaches of space we have these sort of terms that match up with what the bible is saying like the deep can be either or it can be deep space it can be the depths of the ocean and so essentially you know, it's talking about the uninhabitable condition of the world. So one thing I'll point out to you guys is actually that the word for water and heavens actually is only different by one letter in Hebrew. So the word for waters is mayim 
and the word for heavens is shamayim. So you can see that essentially it's almost the same word and kind of like I was talking about, the waters and the heavens are in some ways in Hebrew kind of go hand in hand. They're both dangerous, uninhabitable places. So with that said, you know, we have that contrasted with the earth, which the earth essentially is in this uninhabitable form. We don't really have vegetation and land at this point in the creation. So we're going to just mention a few more things and then jump into the Genesis 1, 3 through 5 passage. So another thing I wanted to mention is we've been talking about all these Bible study tips and I'm actually going to leave a link on some other good Bible studying tips and practices that I actually heard in another recent podcast by a podcaster called Truth Talks with Tara. I also wanted to mention, and I'll leave a link as well, to a book called Bible Insights. And there's a three-book series that essentially go over mastering the Bible, mastering Bible doctrine, and mastering Bible study. And it's by an author named Michael Heiser. And I highly recommend looking up a lot of his work because he's done a lot of good, especially Genesis and Old Testament research. And he actually is a theologian that just recently passed away. So he contributed a lot of great things to the faith community. And I believe that it's definitely worth going and checking out the work that he poured into our generation. Cause I think that he has done one of the best jobs out of any theologian in recent history, treading the way with answering a lot of the tough questions about the Bible. So I recommend that. And there's a lot of good study tips in the books that he wrote that I was mentioning. So let's also talk just one last thing before we jump in a couple more minutes on the breath or the spirit of God. So we learned that essentially spirit means breath. And we also started talking about how basically in this next verse, we're going to read about how God spoke and there was light. So when we speak, breath comes out. So essentially it's that motion and it is that movement. And we see like God is moving over the waters and he's hovering or vibrating over the waters, kind of like a 
hummingbird when it flaps its wings. It's essentially vibrating its wings. So we have essentially this sort of image of God's spirit being present. And we know that whenever we act and we do something that it's essentially motion and energy and it causes something to happen. Like when I walk along a a gravel road, I am going to probably kick up some dirt along the way. So when God is hovering over these waters, like he, however he does it, he begins to start to do this creating process in whatever methods that he used because it doesn't really say besides what we're going to talk about in the next verse. So we're going to jump into it right now. And in Genesis 1-3, we have it say, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So it starts out with God He speaks, and then it says, light became. So light came and began to exist, and it happened. Light happened when God told it to. And honestly, that's amazing. And there's not many things that we as humans can create when it comes to like energy or matter. But here God literally creates light when he speaks. And so God is obviously far beyond us in his capabilities. And I think that's just an obvious given because God himself, we talked about him being the Almighty in a previous week and how God, by definition, you know, is the powerful one and the powerful leader. And so here we have God creating light as the first thing. But let's talk about that because I thought that you know, God created everything. And then, you know, we have the darkness, but, you know, same thing with verse two that we struggled with a little bit is if there was the creation of everything, how come we're going back to the darkness? So I think that the best way that we can, again, talk about this is essentially Either God created everything in general first, like in outline, or we have the process beginning like God begins to create. And essentially it ends to be the same thing. Like God didn't create all the heavens and the earth and then everything disappeared and it was dark and void again. And he realized he messed up. Like, obviously that's not what it's saying. It's saying, you know, headliner, God made everything. And 
So now let's talk about it. So we have essentially uh, all of this chaotic stuff, like after he was there in the beginning and stuff had seemingly been started to be put in motion and in the creation of things, but there was essentially this lifeless emptiness and void. So he starts out very first thing that he specifically says that he creates is light because we obviously know that nothing can exist without light because it is the motion and the energy that we need to actually have life as opposed to if we literally did not have that, there would be, first off, no matter that would be able to even exist because things would not have been able to spark or get there in the first place. And number two, even when we have, you know, these physical bodies in this earth, obviously we can't survive without light because it provides the warmth we need. But if you take away all energy and light, essentially you go down to what is absolute zero and nothing can move or nothing can happen. Essentially, the earth wouldn't have ever been able to start in the first place, like I was saying. So with that said, you know, we have God building the world with like the fundamental building block. We know that all living forms, like we need the light for warmth. We need the light also to just give us motion because essentially if you don't have motion, you don't have life. Like think about a rock and like even plants are considered kind of life, but kind of not at the same time because they don't really have much animation in them. There's not much motion that goes on. So You know, some people say, yeah, plants are alive, and some people say they aren't. So you can kind of see why people have two different perspectives on this. So with that said, you know, God starts out. So we just read that God said, let there be light. And in verse 4, it says, God saw the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So here, all of this talk about creation and light and God at the beginning actually reminds me of what John has to say in his book. So if you want to look it up with me, go to John 1 and you'll see that it's almost repeating what Genesis has to say, except it 
personalizes it in a different way and eventually someday we'll get to all breaking down the details of these things but for now we'll just say that uh, uh, I'll give you so you're not totally lost that when it talks about the word essentially it's talking about God as you will see and it's specifically talking about Jesus so it says in John 1 1 reading onward in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And we were just talking about that. And in the next verse, in one four, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And you have this really beautiful transformation from the beginning and all this darkness and as soon as you have light light overcomes darkness you can't have darkness where light is present and even though you know where you have darkness you also have the absence of light and you can feel that heaviness like when there's lifelessness and darkness you can feel that in the atmosphere and yet at the same time when you have light there is life and there's good things that come from it and it says just as we were reading back now in Genesis that when God saw the light, he saw and noticed and realized that it was good because obviously of what light does. It helps us to be able to see. It helps us to be able to perceive. It helps us to be able to move. It helps us to be able to be okay and warm. It is something that comforts and satisfies our needs physically and mentally. And so it's a really beautiful thing. God knew that light, however he originally got the light created through speaking it, that it's the foundational building block of everything else that's going to get made. So we have that to begin with, and we have God seeing that it's good. And the word good in Hebrew means good, but it also means beautiful. And so like, it's a beautiful thing. Like When you see a sunrise, seeing the light, there's just nothing anyone can say that can devalue the beauty and the goodness of a sunrise or the sun rays on a nice warm day. You know, there's just nothing that can beat that. And there's just something intrinsic and innate about 
the light that God created that matches perfectly with goodness and beauty and all that those things are. And that's why we use things like light to describe goodness itself. And so we now come to the part about where it's talking about the light and the darkness are separated. So how exactly did God do this? You know, when he created light, did he create, you know, the stars and the sun and the moon and all of these things? Is that the light he created or did he just like beam out light and like that's that's it, but then he, like, started to separate and mold them, like, I don't know, it doesn't say, at least not here yet, so we have essentially God separating the light and the dark, though, so these are kind of, like, conceptual, at the very least, uh, we, we know that light marks day, and darkness marks night, so from the beginning, we not only have God creating things. Now we have also God separating and distinguishing things. And when you distinguish something, you have to name it. So he separates it and distinguishes the night from the day, the darkness from the light. And he calls, as we mentioned, the light day and the darkness night. So With that, then it says, there was evening and there was morning the first day. So here, this is why I named the episode after the first day, because essentially everything that we've talked about so far is wrapped up in day one of this story. So the age-old question, literally, is that people wonder when it talks about the first day, is it literal? Because, you know, like, what about, you know, like, it, it took longer in evolution for all of the light to from the original blasting point or whatever to get to where it needed to go. So, you know, that that took more than one literal day. But then other people say, you know, there was no sort of evolution. God just put it there in place to begin with. And the earth is not millions of years old. In fact, like it means that it was literally one day. And so where I stand on this is I am not sure because the Bible itself doesn't mention what a day is and there's so much science on both sides. So I'm not going to break down all of the science because I want to focus on what this has to say. And as I said, we would go into some science, so we're starting to do that. But there's just trillions of hours probably of research on this topic. So please go and look it up 
for yourself, and I do recommend it, and I did on the intro to Genesis page actually link a pretty good podcast by a Calvary chapel, and so I recommend going to them, but also go do research on YouTube and in other theological commentaries and whatever other sort of resources that you can find. So there's plenty of good research on both sides, and I think you'll quickly see that it's not cut and dry as one of the sides that you grew up on necessarily convinced you to believe. So it's not saying exactly how old things are at this point. It's literally just saying that on this first day that God created the light and he separated it, like how long that day was, that's another question that is fair even if you end up after these days having you know the literal set in stone days because you know if there was no time before the light and then God's taking the time to separate it and then like spin everything you know into the original motion that it's going to be set in that could possibly take a different time period than 24 hours so these are things worth considering and it does not compromise the text in any sort of way by asking these questions so the last thing that we'll go over is not only how old is the earth and like what exactly is a day but we'll ask a more specific question on days which is when does a day begin you know it says that there was evening and there was morning the first day so is it saying you know that things were dark at the beginning and then God created light and that was when the morning started or was it saying that you know it was dark and then he created light and there was you know that first daytime and then evening came and then morning came like that was the end of the first day or does it mean that at the beginning of time like there was evening to start and then there was the morning and the rest of the day, you know, that was altogether the first day. So in the Hebrew tradition, they have always celebrated things starting at the sundown as opposed to many cultures in the modern and Western worlds, especially where I live. And I have 
wrestled with this question, especially as a night shift worker. When does, like, when does a day technically begin? Like, it just keeps going in circles, the pattern. So, like, where do you want to, like, stick your hand out as the starting point? And in one sense, you know, it seems to kind of give an answer. And then just through Hebrew tradition, it also kind of gives an answer. Because if you look at, for example, things like the Passover, you have the, and the Sabbath as well, you have the sun going down, and that's when the new day begins, and then you have morning, and then by the end of the day, you have to have everything done for that day because it's about to end at the end of the day. But then you can also ask questions like, is the night and day, you know, uh, a totally separated sort of thing where it's like you have the evening, but then you have like the morning that comes and you have then the day, like after the morning comes. And so uh, there's so many different ways of viewing how a day works, and I suppose that I'm somewhat rambling on this topic because I have not completely sorted out these things myself. And also, like I said, it's difficult, especially when you try to account for different worldviews and different cultures grow up viewing the start of a day differently. So, you know, I personally myself have always seen sunrise as the start of a new day or somewhere around that point, you know, somewhere around like 5 a.m. or so. And so with that said, um, in one sense, I think it's insignificant when it comes to like the importance of that but at the same time it can have really important impacts like what if God did lay this out at the beginning because there actually is supposed to be a rhythm and a starting point to days and when they begin and when they end and what if if we get out of sync with these things that we actually are unknowingly suffering from not being in the right patterns of the way the world is supposed to work and we were made kind of like if we were awake during the night all the time and never seeing any daylight it would just mess with our psychology and that's what i'm getting at is could possibly you know there be an original order and another question is you might say well the hebrews kept it from sundown to sundown so that has to be the way it's done but at the same time how do we know that they were following the original way that it was done at the beginning and that when it says that there was evening and morning that that's originally how it was understood at the same time 
let's also think a, a step deeper. In one sense, we can say that the people who were writing that original sentence in Hebrew already had been celebrating the start of a day at sundown because the time that Genesis was written, it already was a custom by that point that it was sundown to sundown. So um, these are things worth considering and maybe this uh, brings us actually to a last point and that's application. We haven't talked about that at all. You know, a lot of times people will want to get something out of a book and especially God's word, if he's speaking to us, like if he's saying something, you might want to take notes and work on whatever he says. But when it's a story, in one sense, you know, we can take notes. But even when facts are stated, we can still find a moral of the story. And if God says that days start and end at a certain point, that's worth thinking about the ramifications and implications that it would mean for our life. Just like when it says, you know, God made things good. If you view everything as bad, then go and get some sunlight and watch a sunrise or sunset or just sit out in the sun and bask in it and remember how originally God created these things. God created light and it was good. That's a lesson that we can learn from just reading a story. And like you see how much implications, like even these small things can end up bringing out and you know uh, another application is since God made the world and he's making these dark things good and he's bringing light and we've read about how God is the word and he's light to Mm -hmm. all mankind as we were reading in John and essentially he's giving hope to the world we can learn that we have hope in God and we can start learning lessons even though it's just talking about how things were created right now. So before we end, I wanted to mention one last thing that actually is more of grammar in Hebrew. So it actually has a pay at the end, just a standalone letter, which is essentially the grammar marker for like, hey, here's the end of a a section. So we have after this first day, basically we're supposed to take all these first five verses as one section. So this actually does give us even a little more of a hint at Basically, you know, God's creating uh, the heavens and the earth and it's formless and then he makes light and he sees that it's good and he separates them and that's the first day. So 
Obviously, each day is a new chapter of our life, and here, even though we traditionally end reading at the end of a chapter, in Hebrew they end these small reading segments, and sometimes they're huge reading segments with the pays at the end, which is essentially their letter P. And it makes a P or an F sound, but in this case, a P. So that's one last thing I wanted to mention. And that helps you see it like a story and it helps you see these sections. And so in a way, we kind of went over the Hebrew chapter one, at least of the story that God's telling. With that, I hope you were able to see the simple truth of what the Bible is trying to communicate, kind of like I was talking about at the beginning. Take it at a big story level. Don't always get caught up in the minute details, but also don't be simple-minded and never dig into any of the details because if the details get shared with you or all these questions hit you by someone, it might throw you off. And if you do not have an answer... The Bible itself actually says, have an answer and a reason for the belief and hope that you have. So with that, thank you guys for listening to Hear God's Word, and God bless you guys. Hey, I'm so glad you guys could join for today's podcast. I hope things click for you and that you're better able to understand God's Word. Jesus said, Whoever has ears, let them hear. So keep listening to what God has to say, and I'll see you guys next time. God bless.